Hey everybody, welcome to the Bottom Dollar Outdoors podcast, where every blue collar man and woman can have a little fun and get encouraged to get outside. While sitting out here in the barn, we like to tell fishing lies, tall tales about big bucks, and chat about crazy things going on in the outdoor world. Somewhere among all that nonsense, you may learn a thing or two about the great outdoors, so sit back, crack open a cold drink, and enjoy. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, he's on there. Hold on. Oh, I got you now. Gotcha. Oh, oh yeah, that's a nice one. That's a nice one. Oh, yeah. He's going to be good eating. Oh, hey, y'all. Welcome back. This is episode 9 of the Bottom Dollar Outdoors podcast. Man, last week I didn't get put out an episode. We had some bad weather. Didn't get to quite get the editing done and get it out here to y'all. But so far, this has all been about hunting and fishing. And not a whole lot of fishing going on in the podcast here lately. So tonight, we're going to sit back and we're going to talk about my favorite thing to do, which is catfishing. So I hope y'all enjoy this show. We're going to go through everything from the species of catfish. We're going to talk about different tactics you can do to catch more catfish. In the outhouse segment, we're actually going to sit back. We're going to talk about a pretty hot topic in the catfishing world, which is pay ponds. What people like about them, what people don't like about them, and what we can do to change some things to make them work in the catfishing world. Then in our Shop Talk, we're going to talk about the difference of using mono versus braid fishing lines. So guys, go ahead, sit back, get your shad cut up, get your chicken livers ready because we're going to be talking about catfishing tonight. we know that spring is here starting to kind of loosen up on some of the restrictions on the boat ramps and people can now get out on the lake and go fishing again it's time to get out there and do something it's perfect time of the year right now start going out there and catching some catfish and we're going to talk a little bit about the catfish it's what it is catfish is everybody's seen one some people think they're beautiful some people think they're hideous. Some people won't even let them in their boat. And catfish is an amazing creature. It really is. It's one of the apex predators in the water. When it comes to the food chain, whenever they get up to full size, they are possibly the top of the food chain in most lakes. I'll give a little background on the catfish. The first relative of the catfish, according to nature.com, says that the first relative of it was about 340 million years old. But the catfish as we know them now, around 50, it says around 15 million years old. And that they make up almost 12% of all known fish species in the world. They also make up 
6.3% of all vertebrate species in the world. And that includes terrestrial and aquatic species. So that's a huge group of animals when compared to all the other vertebrate species on the wor- in the world. I mean, it's amazing that there's that many different types of catfish. And according to uh, Britannica.com, it says that catfishes constitute nearly 2,900 species and are divided up in about 35 different families. The majority of the species inhabit freshwater, but a few are marine. Catfishes worldwide in distribution um, live in a variety of habitats, everything from slow stagnant waters to fast mountain streams. And marine catfishes are found in the shores of tropical and subtropical waters. And the name of catfish, it kind of gets its name as everybody knows it has whiskers, which is what we call them, but their the technical name are barbels or feelers. They're present about the mouth of the fish, um, upper lip, some have them on both upper and bottom uh, jaw. Um, it says here they may be a pair on the snout and additional pairs on the chin. Most Many catfishes have spines on the front and dorsal and pectoral fins. These spines are sometimes have venom glands and can cause pretty painful injuries to people who get stuck with them. If anybody's ever been finned by one, you know it hurts, and it hurts for a long time, and that's due to the small amounts of venom in the glands or a coating that's on the fin itself. Um, all catfishes um, either are what they call naked and saying they don't have scales, or they're armored with bony plates, but they're not scales, so no catfish has scales. Um, there's mainly four main groups of catfish here in North America. You have your bullheads, which include your white cat, your brown bullhead, yellow bullhead, black bullhead. There's several different subspecies of bullheads. Then you have your channel catfish, your blue catfish, and the one that's kind of the special one out of the group is the flathead catfish. There's a few that have been introduced. There's some in, around Florida. There's some of the armored catfish in the water. Most of them have been released from aquariums. Um, there's some red-tailed catfish now in the more tropical waters around Florida, and I believe they've caught some in Louisiana. There's a lot of common misconceptions about the catfish, too, that they only feed on dead things or they're trash fish. But catfish is... Some, they will be, you know, opportunistic and will eat dead things or stuff that's not even fish, but most of them like to eat live bait. I mean, that's what they primarily hunt in the wa- in the water, whether it's anything from krill, uh, freshwater shrimp, bugs, crayfish, all the way up to bass and other catfish. Matter of fact, one of the best Baits for flathead in certain parts of the country are small bullhead catfish. But they they rarely feed on the bottom itself. Uh, some fish, uh, the flathead catfish, like I said, being the exception, he primarily hunts up from the bottom just because of the way that he's designed to look upwards as he's laying on the bottom. And he's got a, he's, he's the only American catfish with an underbite, so his bottom jaw sticks out further than his top jaw and that's 
an ad- adaptation for him for the way that he primarily likes to hunt. But I'm I truly I love to fish for catfish, just for the the style of fishing. It's very can be very relaxed. Just sitting on the bank, got your poles in the water, just waiting for one to come by. Or if you really want to get after them, you can troll for them. You can jig for them. You can just about it's about an unlimited way to attack catfish. And there's always new ways coming out to do it. Everything from drop shotting for flatheads all the way to, like I said, trolling like you would for striper, trolling for catfish using planer boards and other tactics. And so that's, you can go, like I said, you can go everything from just you and your buddy sitting on the bank at night with a lantern, just sitting there talking, having your rods out, waiting for one to take off with it. All the way up to tournament fishing where you're actively pursuing these fish and trolling for them, or like I said, drop shotting, you're actively chasing the fish. Tournament fishing is a whole different ball game than just recreational fishing, if you want to get into that. There's a lot of great big tournaments out there, There's every, and all the way down to, you know, just a potluck tournament that you get at the boat ramp. And, you know, the catfishing community is great, it's starting to become a little bit political now there's some of these big tournaments in it but for the most part it's a great community to be a part of everybody likes to help everyone people like to come up with new ideas and share them with people where in other sports they or other fishing tournaments they don't they don't like to share their information i mean you're nobody's gonna tell you exactly where their good catfishing spots are but they'll help you as much as they can like I said, the catfish community is a great one I've been a part of now for about six years. And I've learned a lot from a lot of people all over the country. Lots of good YouTube channels about catfishing. Lots of good podcasts out there about it. Not as many as there are on other styles of fishing, but there's it's growing very quickly. So if you're looking for information, YouTube, cat, YouTube search for catfishing videos, man, there's thousands of them. Everything from teaching you what the setups are to, you know, advanced tactics on how to find them on sonar and where they like to hide. There's different types. There's different styles of catfishing from rod and reels, uh, jugging, limb lines, all the way down to going in the water and noodling for them and grabbing them with your hands and pulling them out of a hole. There's different groups of people who like these styles of fishing. There's groups that don't. There's groups that don't care. I'm just in the ballpark of if it's legal and you're doing it, you know, respectfully, you know, practicing CPR here and there on your bigger fish or whatever. But if you catch a big fish, you want to take it home, you want to eat it, that's up to you, brother. You can do whatever you want to do. It's your fish as long as you caught it legally. But I'm just going to give you a what I would say just be a basic catfishing setup. Um, need a, if you're just going to go out and catch channel cats, you just need a basic uh, medium to heavy, medium to medium heavy rod and reel, six foot or longer, about fifteen pound line, maybe if you're fishing for a little bit bigger fish. A ten pound line works just well as long as you set your drags right. And just a basic setup is you'll have um, a swivel tied onto the end of your line with a sinker right above it, a sliding sinker egg sinker, a flat sinker, just as long as it slides on your line. 
comes down with a, about a anywhere from a six to a 12 inch leader, whichever, however long you want it to be, where the fish are biting, you can adjust it, come down to a hook. Uh, the, the two main hooks that people use are what are called a J hook or kale hook. And then my preferred, my preferred style of hook is still a circle hook, no matter what kind of fishing I'm doing, whether I'm trolling or sitting on a bank. I prefer a circle hook. The fish basically hooks itself, and you just reel it in. But then you can put whatever you're deciding to fish with, whether you want to fish with chicken livers, you want to fish with chicken gizzards, you want to fish with cheese, you can fish with whatever you think's biting right there. But the my favorite go-to in any situation where I'm in a new spot, I find whatever fish is right around the bank of the lake there that's easy to catch, whether it be bluegill, perch, shad, uh, minnows, take whatever you got there and you can put it on there alive. You can put it on there, you can cut it if you want, throw it out there and just sit there and wait. And these fish, they're, they like fresh fish. And that's just a very basic catfish setup. I mean, you can go as advanced as you want. You can put rattles on your lines. You can put um, floating or semi-floating sinkers that just stand on the bottom and you can walk them across the bottom you can fish from bobbers. You can fish catfish in multitude of ways. I could be here for three nights trying to tell you all the different ways that you can fish for these things. But the basic setup is a main line with a sliding sinker, swivel, and a leader with a fish tied onto your hook on the end. And that's about as simple as you can get. And it will eventually catch you a catfish. I mean, they that's what they're going to go for. If you're kind of in a mucky bottom or you got some grass and stuff on the bottom, or if you just want to get that fish up off the bottom a little bit, take a, what's it called, a cigar float. It'll slide up and down. It has the pegs. Put that on your leader about two-thirds of the way down your line. That'll float that bait up off the bottom. Kind of help them get where they can see it a little bit better. Get your brim up off the bottom a little bit so he doesn't die just pinned down to the bottom. But, guys, that's a the basics of catfish i mean that's as bare bones as i can get with y'all tonight like i said i could sit here and talk i could sit here and talk all night about this topic but i just kind of want to give y'all the basics of catfish and that's the very bare bones way to catfish i will get i'll do another podcast on it here soon and we'll get into a little bit more detail of it and another one of the misconceptions is that catfish only bite at night so they do bite very well um, at night, especially flatheads when they're going coming out of their daytime holes to their active feeding sites. They, If you can get between those two, you'll catch them. Um, but if you sit there on a point or you sit there in a cove, if you pick the right spot, do some research on what's there, looking at maps, you can eventually figure out where these fish are. And you might just catch channel cats. You may catch a 60-pounder. You never know. Whenever you put a line in the water, you never know what you're going to pull out. But coming up in the outhouse segment, we're going to talk about one of the hot-button topics right now in the catfish world is pay ponds. But before we move on to that, got a little bit of a promo here for my buddies over at the Backwoods Barcast. If you guys are into cryptid stories guys are into ufo sightings guys are into true crime go over there and check those guys out but guys 
want you to take a listen to their promo here. I think you'll really enjoy it. We'll be back in just a few minutes. What can I do you for? Can I have a glass of Chardonnay? I'm sorry, darling. We don't serve that here. Any Merlot? I'm pretty sure you don't want these feet going nowhere near them grapes. Alrighty. How about a craft beer? Oh, yeah. We got plenty of craft beer. Which one you want? No, not craft beer. Craft beer. Oh, no, hell no. I'm, I'm pretty sure the bar down the street serves that. Okay, well, what do you serve? I'm glad you asked. Welcome to the Backwoods Barcast. We serve up moonshine, cheap beer, bottom shelf liquor, and stories even harder to swallow. Join Nick. And Brittany. And the janitor, Stephen, as we discuss southeastern mysteries and mayhem, including but not limited to UFOs, true crime, the paranormal, and much more. So knock four times, grab a stool, let the bar talk commence, and as always, drink more beer. Guys, go over there and check out Nick and Brittany at the Backwoods Barcast. Got a really funny show, really entertaining to listen to. So please go check them out. We're going to hop into the outhouse topic of the show today. We're going to be talking about catfish pay ponds. Uh, the term is pretty self explanatory. Uh, they're just small lakes, ponds that you go and you pay. The owner, and he lets you fish. Uh, They have different rules. Some let you keep the fish. Some make you put them back. But it's a good way to get out and introduce kids to fishing. Um, I know there's a lot of people that don't have fishing licenses or are handicapped who can't get out on a boat and go to the lake because there's not a lot of public access for people with disabilities. So these ponds, they serve a purpose. And like I said, it's a good way to introduce yourself to catfishing or somebody else. And the reason that it's such a hot-button topic right now in the catfishing industry and world is because of the way that they get a lot of their fish. Some buy fish from uh, fish breeders or hatcheries. But a lot of your bigger fish and some of your more popular ponds since they such have such a very high demand. The biggest problem that people have with these fish ended up in the pay ponds is because these fish are taken from public waters. Money that people who fish in the public waters pay tax money and their fishing license fees and stuff go to protect these fish and to make a good habitat for them. So they kind of see them as their fish, which they're everybody's that pay taxes and fish for them. Whether it has an impact on the numbers of fish, it's been proven that they do, and then some people say it's proven that it doesn't. There's a lot of research out there that can be swung either way, but there is a problem in some areas. It's been proven that over-harvesting is taking place. So you can 
see where people kind of get angry about this issue because these people who own these pay ponds and these commercial fishermen, that's their livelihood. They're paid. That's how they make their money is to go catch these fish and sell them. They have, they have the correct licensing. It's completely legal. So they have the right to do this, and the people who own the pay ponds have the permits. They pay the taxes on the land to have these things. They have the business licenses. So they're running a legit business. Some of these ponds have been proven to not take care of the fish very well. They overstock the ponds. They don't have enough food in there for them. The fish get unhealthy and kind of, in some cases, suffer to death or get really sick and just waste away. So there's there's a big balancing act that needs to take place. There needs to be some laws set for the commercial fishermen, and in some states they are. I know here in South Carolina they do have limits of sizes and stuff that they can keep and sell. I know there's also other river systems and places where they are instituting new laws to kind of balance everything out. And there's a way that it can be done. As the fish can, as long as the fish are kept healthy, they're not basically overfishing certain waters where they're hurting the populations. It can be done, but right now there's a fight back and forth between your recreational fishermen and the people who own these pay ponds and the commercial fishermen. These guys have to make a living, and we have an environmental issue to kind of keep under control with the populations. In a lot of places, catfish are not considered a game species. They're considered non-game, so they're kind of free game for whoever wants to get them. To me, pay ponds do have a place in the fishing world. They, like I said, they provide a service for people who are taking their kids. They can't take them out on a boat. They want to introduce them to fishing. They want to take their elderly parents or grandparents who can't really get out on the boat, can't be out in the sun, can't walk very well. Um, People with disabilities, it's easier just to go up and Roll up there and back your truck up to the pond and fish there. You don't have to walk far. They usually have bait there that you can buy, all your tackle. These things, it makes it really easy for these people to get out and go fishing and enjoy themselves. So they do serve a uh, purpose, but they do need to be more responsible. I know there's some pay ponds that get stock fish from hatcheries. They just have, you know, fish there for people to catch. That's great too. And I'm like I said, I don't really have a huge problem with them getting they're fish from public waters. As long as it's done responsibly and care is taken because if they overfish an area, then they're losing the ability to make profit. Especially for the commercial fishermen, if they fish one place out, they got to go somewhere else further away, find these fish, and the whole process starts over again. And it puts a hurting on people who enjoy recreational fishing on public waters. So hopefully one day they'll come to an agreement, some kind of protections put in place, places where there's not protections, and it'll become a nice balance between what people want on both sides. So hopefully that gives you a little bit of clarity on that topic. I know there's a lot of it back and forth on Facebook. There's a lot of on other styles of social media. You see a lot of people fighting back and forth on this, and it gets pretty heated conversation because you got people who are doing this for fun. I'm sorry, y'all can hear the birds chirping in the background. I've got some baby chicks in the kitchen, and they're they're going nuts right now. Sorry about that. But it gets very heated because you got people who like to do this for a sport. They like to do it in tournaments, things like that, and they see that it's hurting their 
numbers of fish that they have in their public waters. And these commercial fishermen are looking at it as their livelihood. This is how they make their money. And the people own these pay ponds, that's how they make money. So hopefully that sheds some light on the situation and you guys can do your research, draw your own conclusions of if you want to fish these pay ponds. You know, choose wisely. Go there, check it out. If it seems like they're wasting away the fish or they're bad, treating, I ain't going to say treating them poorly, but not feeding them well enough, things like that, choose which pond you go to. Make sure everything's done legitimately and legally. And if you don't like these pay ponds, you don't like them, then don't fish them. Um, if you believe that they're hurting the fish populations from where you like to fish or you're seeing this, get active. There's catfishing uh, groups who advocate for laws and things like that to help protect their fish. Get involved with them and go into your state and try to help get some laws passed to protect your fish. Either way, it's catfishing. I'm going to be honest, I, when I was a child, I was, how I got into catfishing was a little pay pond up the road here. So, and like I said, it has its place. But I'm going to come back in just a few minutes, and we're going to get into a little bit of shop talk about, you know, earlier we talked about you know, what kind, like a little setup you can use to catch fish. But we're going to get in a little bit more detail about, well, probably the number one thing I'm asked about besides bait is what kind of fishing line do I use? So we'll get back into that in just a few minutes. Be right back. So earlier in the show, we were talking about a basic fishing setup you could use with just a standard rod and reel, hooks, what kind of bait to use. Besides people asking me what kind of bait do I use, the next biggest question I'm asked is what kind of fishing line do I use for catfishing? Do I use braid or do I use monofilament? Uh, My answer is I use both depending on my situation, what I'm trying to do. Everybody has their own preferences to what they use lines for and when or some people they go with one they stick with they fish with all the time i base mine if i'm anchor fishing or if i'm fishing off a bank i prefer on my as far as my main line goes i prefer monofilament line it's a little bit stretchier gives you a little bit more abrasion resistant so i prefer it when i'm fishing from a bank or like I said, if I'm anchor fishing, but if I'm fishing, trolling, um, if I'm kind of really set up, kind of in a really light boat, monofilament comes becomes a nuisance or kind of becomes a detriment to what I'm trying to do, especially when trolling. Monofilaments these days are extremely strong. I believe that they're what you would call your weight of the line is a lot stronger than what the class of line says it is. So let's say if you have a 40-pound line, I believe it's a lot stronger than 40 pounds. And what that causes, especially with the stretch in the line, it's because it's so strong. Whenever you're on, you're trolling, you say you're trolling a line, and you get hung up on something. 
It's very easy with monofilament line trying to fight it to break it off to pull your boat off of your troll, off of your line and get everything all tangled up. And it's very hard to break. I mean, you almost got to lock it down and put the boat in gear and take off to break it. So whenever I'm trolling, I like to use braided line. It's extremely strong and works very well. I've only lost a couple of fish that just actually broke braid. I've lost them that broke mono too. But the majority of the time with braid, if you do get hung up, if you can put some slack in your line, wrap it around your reel, and lock it down, and yank it real hard, it doesn't have any stretch to it, so it'll just snap. Mono will stretch, and you got to fight and pull and run all over the boat to get it to break. you got to wrap it around something and yank on it. So you, you waste a lot of time trying to get it un, get it to break or get it unhooked with braid. You wrap it around it, you snap it off, set it to the side, grab another rod, get it out there, and then you can re-rig that one while you're not doing something else. The problem with braided line, it's not very abrasion resistant, so if it gets a nick in it, uh, gets frayed, it's going to it's going to break pretty easily at that point. Mono can get some rust spots in it, and it's still going to hold a lot of strength. Um, as far as my leaders, I always use a monofilament leader. That's because of the abrasion resistance. When you're catching fish and you catch a couple, they're going to rough up that that uh, leader just a little bit. Some people change their leader every time they catch a fish. Unless it's really banged up, then I usually don't. In a tournament situation where money's on the line, more than likely I'll change it every other fish. The braid really comes in handy when you're trolling. I like monofilament because of its durability. So you can take those kind of two things and figure out what your situation is. But like I said, I always use a 50-pound monofilament leader. It's just my preference. It's what I've always used. Some people don't use that high because they want to save tackle. So they'll use a lighter monofilament leader than what their main line is. So say if your your main line is an 80-pound braid, they'll use a 25-pound leader in case they get hung up. They can just hopefully break that leader off and all they lose is a hook and maybe a, a float. With me, the hook and the float are the most expensive parts anyway, so I just use a heavier monofilament line for my leader because if, if I don't lose that, then all I'm losing past that's a sinker and a, a swivel. So to me, it's not that big of a deal. Guys, that's kind of how I choose what I do. Everybody said everyone has their own preference of which one they like the best and when they like to use them and why. And another big thing about the monofilament, I forgot to mention this earlier, is now you can get what they call high-vis lines. And they show up really, really well at night in low-light situations. You can put a a UV light or a blue light or um, a black light on them, and they glow like this iridescent just glow to them, like like they got lights going through them. So that comes in real handy in low-light situations, night fishing, and those, um, they do make a couple of high-vis green uh, braided lines that show up pretty well with the UV lights and the black lights and things. So you're now starting to see those glow-in-the-dark style or 
they glow to different types of lights in their braids. So now you're starting to get some of those options as well. But at night, the monofilament really does help whenever you're using those UV lights and it glows. Like you can see it from 100 yards away. That's how bright it glows. So guys, I hope that helps you make that decision of which one you want to do, which weight you want to use. Depends on your, your reel size, capacity, your rod, what it can handle. So just put all that together, take that information, and put it to good use. And we'll be back in just a second. We're going to close out the show today. Going to kind of recap everything. We'll be right back. Well, I hope y'all enjoyed today's show. Hope you learned a lot about the very basics of catfishing. Learned a little bit about the species and how vast and how much of a variety of different types of catfish that they are. Like I said, they take up a huge chunk of all the vertebrate species on this planet, which is very impressive. Hope you got the idea of what the basic setup that you can use is a basic you know, rod and reel and how to tie that up with your basic setup. And I hope you kind of got some information about the uh, Paypon situation and the fight that's going on with that. I mean, it's a very heated topic in the catfish world. So if you want to use these Paypons, be responsible, choose the right ones. Make sure they're getting their fish legally and and doing things ethically. If you don't like the Paypons, you believe that they're hurting the ecosystem, join a group and help set laws to protect the ecosystem and protect your fish. So hopefully that way, eventually we can kind of reach an equilibrium of everybody being somewhat happy. Not everybody ever is going to be happy either way, but reach some kind of meeting point in the middle. Um, guys, go check out Nick and Brittany over to Backwoods Barcast for some good entertainment there. If you're into that kind of uh, paranormal kind of stuff, check those guys out. And when it comes to using monofilaments and braid, hope you learned which situation that I prefer to use them in. I hope that helps you in your decision as far as what you want to try to do. Like I said, the braid is big. It has its big points. Monofilament has its big points also. So hopefully you can use that information to your advantage. Hope you guys can get out there and go catfishing, whether you just want to go to a pay pond with your grandparents, you want to... You and your buddies go sit on the riverbank and drink a couple cold beers and catch some fish underneath a lantern. Or if you want to get into you know, trolling and do some of this tournament fishing, man, just try it. Get out there, talk to some people, get on YouTube, get on some, um, and interact with people, join some groups on Facebook, interact with these people. A lot of them will really help you. There's not really a lot of people who are going to say, oh, the fish are in the water, you know, and mean it. I mean, they'll come back and help you. Um, they're very helpful, very nice people for the most part. Also, um, uh, in Fisherman Magazine, they put out every year, they put out a catfishing special edition. Pick that one up and you can go back and you can look online and buy the past issues of that. Man, there is a ton, I mean, a ton of good information written by some of the best catfishers in the world. So look into that. Guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. 
um, I'm going to do another catfish episode probably here in the next couple months or so. Get a little bit more in depth about the actual tactics and things to catch fish and what different types of bait that you can use. We'll get more in depth into it as we go along for every catfish episode from here on out. So you guys come back next week will be the 10th episode of the Bottom Dollar Outdoors podcast. So hope to see you then. Well, I can't see you because, but I hope you can get online and interact, kind of celebrate the 10th episode. If you have any questions, if you have any topics you want me to cover, if you just want some feedback, you just want to chat, you can always send me an email at bottomdollaroutdoors at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram. I actually changed my Instagram handle so it's easier to find. It is at bottomdollaroutdoors. No underscores, just straight up all all lowercase bottom dollar outdoors. On Twitter, you can find me. It's at catfishbrad864. And please check out my YouTube channel. I get on there. I have some older stuff from catfishing, everything from ways to store your hooks to me catfishing. As a matter of fact, I got one video pair the first time I caught a big flathead on the live or while I was actually recording. I've got a bunch of different topics on catfishing on there. You can check that out. That's youtube.com slash C slash bottom dollar outdoors. Guys, be back next week. Have a good week. Get outside. Go fishing. It's turkey season. Go shoot a tom in the face. Y'all have a good week.